Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Brother Sleva opened up and gave us an understanding of the importance and necessity of teaching Bible studies. Brother Trano then followed that up and helped us to understand that there are resources available for teaching group Bible studies. He gave us a little tutorial on on how we can go about doing it and, and made it clear to us that if we will use the tools available, anyone can teach a group Bible study. Then Brother Fridley came up and he used Brother Marler's Doctrine Does Matter chain Bible study to show us the power of being able to go through the Word and just verse after verse watch as the Bible qualifies itself and the impact that that can make on someone's life. How that Bible study can be used um, without having any material with you except for the book. But when we look at those things, I consider that to be in the category of the away game. You know, in sports, you have away games and you have home games. And the away games and home games are equally important because if you win or lose, it affects your record. But when we are out in the away field and we're ministering to our communities and we're reaching people, and we're meeting people and we're teaching Bible studies, the hope is that at some point we're going to be able to get that person to visit our church. And then we're going to move from an away game to a home game. And the home games, man, they're exciting because you have home field advantage. And you know what comes with home field advantage? Everyone at home is cheering you on. Everyone wants the same thing. They want their team to win. And now for Calvary Tabernacle, our team... It's Team Jesus. So when people come to this church, you have an entire church in this home field advantage that is rooting for what God wants to do to come to pass. And so how do we get people as they enter this building with home field advantage from where they are to where God wants them to be? Brother Stan Gleason wrote a book and it was entitled Follow to Lead. In this book, he deals with what we call closing the back door. Closing the back door just means that we get visitors that come in, but sometimes they come in and they go right back out the back door never to return. When what we're really looking for is for people to visit the church and for them to have an encounter with God Almighty that makes an impact on their life to where they're not looking for a back door. They're not even interested in finding a way out. In fact, a hunger is birthed inside of them. And what do hungry people do? We eat. And all the apostolics said, amen. It's what they do. And so if someone can come in this place and we can help them develop a hunger for the things of God, then we've already got them in a position to succeed. Here's what Brother Gleason said when he was looking at his own church. He said that the retention rate of a soul-winning focused church is 15%. And what he meant by that statement was that they were focused on 
The death, the burial, the resurrection, repentance, baptism, getting them filled with the Holy Ghost. All of the energy goes to that. But then after that takes place, the energy drastically drops off on how much attention is being placed on those people, those individuals. And so the emphasis is on getting them through the new birth experience. He said that when his church, and he's using his church as an example, shifted from soul winning focus to disciple making focus, their retention rate went up to 71%. That is five times greater than the soul winning focus church. Now, I don't have to ask you, but where are you going to put your money at? I'm going to place my money where I get five times the return. And we're not betting on something that's going to go into our bank account. We're betting on eternity for people's lives. And so we want to do everything we can to make sure that we're getting people to where God wants them to be. I love how he said it. Salvation is not a diploma, but it's a birth certificate. This is where we start teaching them to walk. We start teaching them to eat. We start teaching them how to succeed as a born-again believer. But people need an on-ramp. They need to be able to come into a church like this and know a clear way of how they can begin to become a part of what is going on here. This is home, is our on-ramp. That's how we get folks from where they are to where God wants them to be. As a church, you've heard us talk about the group and the class. We have now been through three graduations and we are working on our fourth graduation that will graduate this coming Sunday. Now there's four lessons. One for each week and each one being about 45 minutes. So there's no way that I can really expose everything that's going on in that class setting here tonight. But what I want to do, my goal is to just pick little tidbits, extract them out from the entire lesson series, and hopefully give everyone in the church a clear picture of what our assimilation process looks like. Because let's face it, it's way easier to get behind something and believe in something when you know what it is. And so it's kind of been isolated um, the last three months being taught up there, but we want to expose some of that to you tonight. Paul in Ephesians chapter 1, he says a prayer. And his prayer encapsulates exactly what we feel is a church for everyone that comes into this place. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Right there. What we are praying for is that God would open people's eyes so that they would see him, so that they could know him. Because there's nothing more important, no one more important than getting to know Jesus Christ. We're thankful when they come in the church and they get their handshake by someone out there and they get their handshake by someone in here. And maybe they even get to shake Pastor Carson's hand after service. But what's really important is that they get introduced to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords because we don't have the power ourselves to transform their lives. If they come in here and all they meet is a bunch of friendly churchgoers and they're excited about how friendly we are and man, these people are really great. It is a swing and a miss on our part 
They need to meet the king. It's no one greater. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Now, I've seen hard times before. This is not the first time, not COVID 2020. Life is just sometimes hard, and we know it's unfair. But for the first time in my life, I walk around and I see people, I make eye contact, and there is a level of disparity that I am not used to, a level of hopelessness, like they don't believe that it's going to get better. And we as a church need to assure them and let them know that in Christ there is hope. In Christ, things are better. You do not have to continue down the same broken path you are in because there is hope in him. There is hope in Christ. When people are hopeless and they feel like their back is up against the wall, they make really poor choices. But if you give a desperate person a way out, then you better look out because they're coming with everything that they have because they've been searching for something better. They've been searching for some hope. They've been searching for light at the end of the tunnel. And when the church can show them that there is light, that there is hope, my word, God can start to transform their lives. It goes on to say, and what? the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. People need to know that there are promises tied to those that live and follow after Christ. Because we're building throughout this lesson series and we're going one step, one step, one step. And as we get to certain places, they're going to start to see what those promises look like. They're not maybes, they're not could be's, they're guaranteed promises. And that's why we're praying for them, that they can see that there is something ahead, something in store for them. Who's ever been to an event? You walk into the event, everything seems to be perfect. I mean, the lighting's perfect, the hors d'oeuvres are perfect, the people look perfect, everything's great. The only problem is you don't know anybody at the event. You don't know anybody at the event and you don't even really know what's going on at the event. People are moving and doing things and that looks really good. They're doing it well, but you don't understand any of it. And so you find yourself in a place where you're just looking for the first way out. It doesn't matter how nice things look. It doesn't matter how well organized it is. If you're not feeling like you're part of it, then you feel like an outcast and you're looking for the first exit door you can find. It's no different when people come to the church. Let's face it, if we can help them to understand what they're going to expect when they're in services here, because it will help them to stick around. It'll help them to feel more comfortable because our services, listen, what we do in our services is not normal. Right? Where else do you go where you can have a room full of people that can't sing on key and yet they will sing as loud as they can anyways. Right? Church, that's where you find that. They can't clap on beat, but they'll clap. I will. Right? They have no rhythm. They can't dance and all of a sudden the spirit hits them and they're dancing in the spirit. 
I mean, that stuff happens in church and it doesn't make sense to anybody. So we try to help them to understand what they're seeing. And we let them know that it's not really that much different than when someone goes to their friends and they're watching a football game. And they're watching their favorite team. And as soon as a touchdown happens, man, they jump out of their seat. They're high-fiving. They're yelling. They're shouting. They're excited about what just took place. It's like they just won the lottery. And all that happened is the football made it across the goal line. And six points were added to the scoreboard. So when they come into church, we let them know we're just like that. We've just found something much greater than a football game to get excited about. But we want to be excited about it. Church isn't boring. Church is exciting. And we express it in our worship during services. What about lifting our hands? Man, that was so hard for me. Like, it's easy now. It's easy now. But coming into church, it was one of the most vulnerable things that was asked of me. Like seeing that, that part of my worship or part of went on, what went on everywhere, everyone, all you guys do this stuff. Now, some of you are like this. I get it. Like I made it to that. But, but man, and so we explain in our class that lifting your hands is a universal language. It says, I need help. When a kid skins their knee, and they run over to their parent, they don't have to say a word. All they have to do is come with their hands lifted high, and that parent's instinct kicks in instantly. And they know my child needs help, and they bend down and they pick up that kid, and they do everything they can to console them. When we lift our hands to worship God, we're telling Him, Lord, I don't have all the answers. I don't have everything figured out, God. I don't know how to make this work. I need you. And there's nothing more powerful in the world than understanding with every fiber of your being, I am not enough by myself. I need God Almighty in my life. I can't do it on my own. Because we can't do it on our own. That's where our walk with God begins when we can admit that we need Him. And guess what? That's what sustains our walk with God all the way until the end, our understanding that we need Him. We need Him. And that's what we're doing when we lift our hands. We're expressing ourselves to let Him know we don't have it all figured out. God, we need your help. What is Christianity? Man, you talk about something that has been stretched every way possible. It's this definition of Christianity. And so we took a very simplistic biblical approach. And our definition is Christianity is being like Christ. That's it. That's why living our best life is walking and growing with Jesus Christ daily. We are doing everything we can in every way we can to be more like Christ. We identify with Him. 
Even in the new birth experience, we identify with his death, burial, and resurrection through repentance, water baptism, and spirit baptism. And you know already that we go and we share this with them in this class. We talk about the power of repentance and what takes place when they make up their mind to follow Christ. Like, I'm dying to myself. I'm tired of living my own way, and I want to follow you, Jesus. That is powerful. The Bible talks about the celebration that erupts in heaven when one sinner repents. Why is it so powerful? Because they made a decision right then and there that I'm going to follow Christ no matter what. They don't have all the details. They don't know what the next step looks like. They don't understand oneness. They don't understand the Holy Ghost. They just know that what they have felt so far compels them to continue to follow him wherever he leads. That's the power that happens in repentance. And we talk about the burial and we are clear. We let everyone know. And in case you didn't know, we're going to share with the whole congregation tonight. Zombies aren't real. They're not. So when you kill something and you bury it, it stays, stays dead and buried. And so when the enemy comes back and he tries to talk to you about who you are and he starts bringing to your memory all of those mistakes and all of those flaws and all of those areas where you failed, you can stand true and you can say it right to its face. You can say, no, that's not me. That man is dead and buried. I am a new creature in Christ. They need to know that. We don't want the enemy having an upper hand. They need to know that that old man is dead and buried. And that same power that brought Christ up out of that grave lives in us through spirit baptism. We tell them that Christianity is a process. Don't compare your beginnings to someone else's middle or end. You're not going to be in the same place on day two that Brother Barkus is on year 45. It's not going to happen. And rather than expecting people or allowing them to expect that they should be there, we just got to let them know that that's not even how Jesus designed it to be. That's not how it works. And so this is a process that you're going to go through for the rest of your life. And day after day, you're going to continue to grow in Christ. It is a process. I tell my kids all the time, anything that someone knows, they once learned. And anything they do with excellence, they do because of practice. That's how it works in every area of our life. And that's how it works being a Christian. We're constantly going to be practicing and doing our very best. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to get off course. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. But we've just got to get back up and keep on going because we don't want to stop the process. We want to continue moving forward. Now, for all you visual learners, I'm a visual learner. I have actual video footage that Sister Denny is going to queue up of a discipleship maker. This is, this is actual footage.
case you missed it the first time. It's funny, right? We're, it's funny because we've all been there. We've been one of those people. A lot of us have been both of those, the sheep and the young boy trying to get the sheep out of the ditch there. And it's funny, but it really does go that way. People need to know that they're going to have some challenges as they're walking through this life with Christ. And they need to know that we're there to encourage them and that when they fall, we're going to be there not to kick them, but to reach down and to pull them up out of the grips of all of the mess they might find themselves in, but we're not giving up in them. We're going to continue to work with them, continue to be there for, continue to encourage them to get back up and fight again. You know what happens so many times? We get discouraged when we're working with somebody because they make a bad choice. I mean really discouraged. And you know it. If you've taught Bible studies and you try to disciple someone, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've worked hard. You've got them to a certain place. They're doing so well. And then all of a sudden, you're like, where did that even come from? How did they find themselves in that position? How did that happen? What we got to be careful of Let's not get discouraged in every one of those moments. Why would we hold people that are brand new to a standard we don't even hold ourselves to? We, we don't have a standard of perfection for ourselves. We understand that sometimes we fall and we're just going to stand back up. We need to be willing. The Bible talks about there is fruit of repentance, right? You can tell when somebody is really sorry and trying to do better. And when they fall and you help them back up and dust themselves off, if there's fruit there and you can tell that they're wanting to move forward, then go back at it. Give it everything that you've got. Why you'll love it here is lesson three. <clears throat> now, this is really exposing to Calvary. Because while the, why they will love it here is not because of us. They're not going to love it at Calvary Tabernacle because Kevin Brzezinski is here. Although I'm glad you're here, bro. That's not it. They're going to love it because this church is built on biblical truth. That's why they're going to love this place. They're going to love it because this is a place where God can freely move because we honor him as the king that he is. We are a super natural church we believe God still heals the sick they need to know that it's not just something we say that we believe it they've got to know that we trust God that when somebody is sick or someone is ill that we can lay our hands on them and we can pray the prayer of faith and we believe with everything inside of us that God can heal that person that they can come in here and they're no longer limited by their personal limitations because God is in control. We believe that he still delivers individuals who are bound by drugs and alcohol or anything else that they find themselves bound from. Someone could be sitting in this service or sitting in one of our classes for This Is Home and we could be teaching and the enemy could be speaking to them right into their mind, telling them, yeah, you hear what he's saying, but don't forget you're an addict. 
You hear what he's saying, but don't forget you're bound by alcohol. The things that that preacher is saying could not apply to you because you are completely given over to these things in your life. That person needs to know, although they walked in here a drug addict or an alcoholic, they don't have to leave here the same way. The anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. It completely destroys it. People need to know that they can come into this church and they can come to this place broken and they can come to this place messed up and they can come to this place an addict. They can come to this place homeless. They can come to this place in whatever awful situation they find themselves in and God is the answer. He can fix it. Look, he really can fix it. That's why we're not ashamed about saying that. We could tell everybody on the internet that if you have a drug problem, then you need to come to Calvary Tabernacle because God can deliver you. He can. He absolutely can. There's no question about it. We don't doubt that. We believe that. He uses ordinary individuals to perform the supernatural. Oh man, my goodness. People got to know that God is going to use them just like he's using every one of us. There is nothing special about Juan Lopez. Nothing at all special. So if God would ever use me, then he would use anyone. Nothing special about Brian Wilhoyt. Nothing special. Just a man that was broken and that was lost, who Christ picked up, dusted off, saved, and is now using to further the gospel. And God will use people to do the supernatural. When they're coming into the body of Christ, they're not like cousins. They're not like people on the outside. Like, hey, we're glad you're here at the family reunion. You get the hot dogs and hamburgers, but we get the steaks. That's not how it works. When they come into the body of Christ, they are just as much a part of the body on day one as we are on day 7,000. God will use them. We are a spirit Filled church. In Acts 2, 4, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. We are a spirit-filled church. I'm thankful that we don't believe that repentance and baptism is the end of it, that we know the truth of Scripture and the Word of God, that there is a power that God puts inside of us with His Spirit to overcome this world. You don't live a successful life in this crazy world outside of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. His Spirit empowers us and God wants everyone to have His Spirit. It's part of the salvation process, yes, but it's also part of your success for the rest of your life. You're going to need to lean on that. Because we are a spirit-filled church, that allows us to be a spirit-led church. 
And I'm telling you, we need the Spirit leading us. Not our flesh, not our wisdom, not our knowledge, but the Spirit of God leading us as we move forward. I was, 7.59, I was coming to Calvary Tabernacle. And I'll give a real quick version here, but I want to share this. Coming to Calvary Tabernacle and... Over time, I decided, yes, I needed to repent. Yes, I need to be baptized. I want to live for God. And so I repented of my sins, and, and I got baptized in Jesus' name. It was one of the most incredible times of my life. Man, a whole other story about how that went down. But incredible time of my life. And I was facing 20 years in prison because I had lived in the world and did a lot of bad things. And, and I knew I was going to prison. I just didn't know how long I was going to be going for. And while I'm going through this trial, I'm coming to Calvary and I'm learning all these things about God. And the one thing I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt was this, that if I'm going to make it in prison, I need the Holy Ghost. There's no way I'm making it without the Holy Ghost. And so every service, I'm up here praying, God, fill me with the Holy Ghost, weep and bawl and doing everything I can to reach out to him, just hoping that that's the moment that he fills me with the Holy Ghost. Well, I went to trial, accepted a six-year plea deal, and then they locked me up, and I had not yet received the Holy Ghost. So I was a little bummed about that, thinking, God, I really need the Holy Ghost and uh, I was 19 years old, so I was obviously scared and all those things that go through your mind. And <clears throat> they locked me up. And while I'm wrestling that and trying to figure that out, I'm back in another holding cell waiting to go to court for another case that I had. It was a pending charge prior to this. And in this moment, I'm in this cell where there is normally people being brought in and brought out, probably 15 to 20 people at any given time, constant flow, constant hustle and bustle as they're getting us to go to our courtrooms. But in this moment, it was just me and another guy. It was just me and him. He was a rather large guy, very muscular. I'm not. And so I'm 19 and I'm there, so it's a little bit intimidating already. And you know how you walk past somebody and you're like, how was your day? And, and that's how you communicate when you're passing by out here in the world. Well, in jail, it's always like, what you in for? This is what everyone says. So a little bit of a conversation went there between me and him. I explained what I was in for, and he explained that he was in for murder charges. If it couldn't have got more awkward... And so I'm sitting there, and there's this moment that happens where I'm trying to make small talk. We're trying to talk, and he just looks me straight in the face. And he asks me, he says, have you received the Holy Ghost? I told him, I said, I have not received the Holy Ghost. But man, I want the Holy Ghost. And he started praying right there in that cell. And I started praying and the power of God just fell in that place. And I could just feel God's touch on my life. And then the gate gets a bang on and it's the bailiff from the courtroom. And he says, you guys are being too loud. We can hear you in the courtroom. You stop now. 
And, and so we stop. And then the bailiff makes his way back into the courtroom. And then we start praying again. And God picks up right where he left off. And I mean, the power of God was moving in that room, in that cell so strong until the bailiffs came and it just seemed like everything went back to normal and we were all being exchanged because we had to return back to our blocks. And I didn't receive the Holy Ghost. But can you imagine what it did to my faith? To know that God would use a man who is in jail for murder charges so that he can reach me to let me know, Juan, I know right where you are at. I know right what you are going through. I have not forgotten of my promise to you. And man, I walked out of that cell so encouraged and strengthened in the Holy Ghost. I just knew God was going to fulfill his promise to fill me with his spirit. Wouldn't you know it wasn't a few weeks later? They did some paperwork incorrectly, and I was released back into the city of Indianapolis by accident. For two months, I found myself at this church praying, God, I need the Holy Ghost. I'm going to prison, Lord. I need your power. God, I don't want to go if you're not going to go with me, Jesus. I need you to fill me with your spirit. And it was about right here. When Bobby Carter brought his big sweaty palm and slapped it on my forehead and began praying as I worshipped, as God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, just like he promised. How important is the Spirit of God? It is critical. It's necessary for us. And God doesn't want us getting into the church and following him and waiting years before we let him fill us. He wants to do it right away. He wants to help us. And man, Lord knows we need the help. If you can stand with me, there's a little more information on this handout tonight. We mentioned this is life class. This is life is step two. It's part two of this is home. Once you complete this is home, we have a class that you can attend on Wednesday nights during Bible study that meets and we cover very practical spiritual disciplines that somebody could put into practice and see immediate results in their life. Not because we're the ones teaching it, but because that's how God set it up. And so we want people to succeed. We want them to know how to pray. We use the word prayer and this is life. We teach them how to pray. We teach them how to study their Bible, how to look into the word, how to get the most out of those moments when God is speaking to you. So this is our assimilation process. This is us at Calvary Tabernacle closing the back door. What we need is the culture of this church to believe in what God is doing. Because we can't do it, not one person, not 10 people, not 50 people. It takes every one of us to get this done and to accomplish 
the magnitude of what God is wanting to do in our city. And so when someone comes into Calvary, just know the first thing, you're meeting them, you're greeting them. If they don't have a, a gift bag, then you got to get them to the Welcome Center so they can fill out a Connect card. We can get their information. They get a nice little gift bag of us saying thank you. And if you haven't talked to them about it, I promise you at the Welcome Center, they're ready for their elevator pitch. They're going to talk to them about this is home class and do their very best to get them signed up to go through that process. Why? Not because we want to have a full classroom, but because we want to be able to see people transformed. We want them to make it to heaven. We do. So I need everyone that promises you won't get offended if somebody comes to you and says, hey, uh, are you new here? And you're like, I've been here 30 years. <laughs> to raise your hand if you're not going to get offended. Everyone has permission now. Now let me offer a bit of advice. It never makes sense to say, are you new here? Or is this your first time visiting? Here's a very comfortable, easy way to ask a question. How long have you been going here? Now nobody's offended. You oh, you've been going here three months. I've been here a while myself. What brought you here? Or they've been here 30 years and you're like, man, it's good to meet you. <laughs> right? So we're wrapping up this series. This is it. And what in prayer we have really felt led to do is the evangelism team of Calvary Tabernacle is to create a model where you can have teams of people who say, I want to go out and teach Bible studies, but I'm a little bit nervous about it. And I don't really know exactly how to do it, but I'm telling you God's prompted me to do it. We want to create teams like that who will have a captain assigned to that team. And that captain is someone that has been teaching Bible studies over and over, hundreds of Bible studies throughout the course of their life. And they're going to be there for that team to coach them and to encourage them and to help them. So you got a phone number when you have a question. I'm going to call this number. Man, this person asked this question. What do I say? And then you got help. Or this person said this thing in Bible study, or, or I felt this way at Bible study. What do I do with that? Because we want to do everything we can to provide the encouragement for those that want to go out and teach, to be able to go out and teach, and to know that you have the support of so many others behind you believing in you. And so tonight, in 20 minutes, there will be a text that you will receive. It'll have a form on it that you can fill out if you're interested and being a part of one of those teams where somebody will be coaching you and encouraging you to teach Bible studies. We have out at the Welcome Center, if you want to see it, we have the uh, curriculum books for This Is Home class, six, seven, eight of them out there. You can grab one, flip through it if you just want to get your hands on it and see what it's like, feel it, touch it. Uh, they're allocated to a class already, so please don't take them. Uh, but feel free to look at them at your leisure. Can we pray? Lord, we thank you so much for being a faithful and a mighty God. We pray, God, that you would help us to continue to persevere with the attitude and the spirit, God, that we need you every step of the way. Help us, God, to align with what the plans are that you have for this great church in this great city, God. 
Help us to function as one body in perfect unity to go out and do the work that you have created us for. God, encourage us, strengthen us, go before us, and bless our efforts in Jesus' name. Amen.